This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Wednesday, December 14th, 2005. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud. I'm Tom Merritt, author of Seen It's the Real Deal. Molly Wood is on assignment, actually standing in line in security. But this is still Buzz Out Loud, your podcast of indeterminate length featuring producer Veronica. Hello. How's it going? It's wonderful. What'd you eat today? Oh, I had some Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Just a little banter, you know? Get, <laughs> Casual get, get banter. Things, get things rolling. Uh, because this first story is going to get you all excited. Is it? The rumors on Engadget about a wireless iPod. Ah, yes. I've heard rumors of this for a while. Now, here's the, uh, here's the basis of the rumor. Uh, Engadget is pointing to the fact that uh, Mobile Content News is pointing to the fact that Portal Player, which is the company that makes the chipset used in the iPod, uh, is making big moves into wireless. They just last month named Vodafone and Ericsson veteran Thomas Isaacson to their board of directors. And they also announced a licensing agreement with Sun's Java ME platform. And so there's a lot of speculation going on that they, uh, because they're also saying first half 2006 is going to be wireless for us. We're really going to move towards wireless. So could it be a Bluetooth iPod so that you don't have to have that white wire hanging down and you're not going to get mugged? Well, yeah, I think that makes the most sense, probably, as far as functionality goes with the Bluetooth. I don't know if I agree with the statements that it could function as a remote control and streaming data source for the new Mac Mini with Front Row that's uh, rumored yeah. to come out. That seems pretty... I don't really see far, why they would do it. That seems pretty far afield, although it would be easy. It could be one of those easy things they throw in, but they, Apple doesn't tend to throw in things, even if they are easy. Well, they, they already they have tend a to take remote a very control deliberate, you know, for the iMac yeah. with front row. Well, I'm just saying, like, they don't throw features in the iPod willy-nilly. Yeah. You know, like, things that might be nice, like an FM tuner, yeah. for example. Uh, there's also the, uh, the, the possibility it could be a Wi-Fi iPod. That would be neat. And then it could sync up. With then I'd, they could just dispense yeah. with a charger. Mm -hmm. If they could put wireless power in it, too. That, that'd be... <laughs> But no, I mean, seriously, a Wi-Fi iPod would be very cool. Yeah. Because then you could just download uh, music directly to the iPod. Mm -hmm. uh, assuming that they let you. I mean, I could just Who see... Knows? I could just see them put out a Wi-Fi iPod and be like, well, there's no Wi-Fi iTunes, though. Nope. Gonna have to wait. What would the point of that be? Keep us waiting. But we're already criticizing breath. them for something that they aren't even doing. Because it's fun, Tom. <laughs> that it's is fun. the way of things. It's how I get my kicks. <laughs> Uh, Microsoft has patched IE. We talked about that yesterday, but there was a posting on Slashdot after we recorded pointing out that one of the patches also removed a component left behind by a patch from the Sony BMG uh, rootkit. Uh, I, I think it may actually be MediaMax, not the MediaMax anti-piracy, not the rootkit. But anyway, as Google took it upon themselves to fix an IE problem with the, their desktop upgrade, Microsoft has taken it upon themselves to fix one of the Sony BMG hey, problems. Forward. Yeah, pay it forward. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we're seeing going on here. Everybody's just helping each other this out. Corporate kindness. It's kind of like corporate open source. Yeah, where everybody at the corporate level is <laughs> cooperating. Not really cooperating. No, They're no. just doing it. Uh, but the, I think that's kind of funny that IE... I think if anything, it's a PR tactic. IE goes and cleans up like, some of Sony's mess. Ooh, look, they're bad. We're going to make it better. Another, we'll fix it. Another interesting thing we saw uh, via Boing Boing, Rolling Stone magazine has an article on their website about the copy protection troubles, talking about Sony in general. But there's an interesting thing in the very last paragraph where uh, <laughs> they're talking to Mike Martinovich. He's the manager for My Morning Jacket. Uh, which I think is a band. Uh, 
Or an alt-country oh, it's a, band. Yeah, it's an alt-country band. And he says that uh, they have been sending burned, unprotected copies <laughs> of My Morning Jacket's new album to fans who complained that Media Max prevented them from transferring songs to their iPods. You know what? Good on them. Yeah, seriously. But it, what horror... I mean, it, it, it's sort of beating a dead horse, but it's just another illustration of how bad this whole thing has gotten when the managers of artists are sending burned copies well, directly like Sony to the fans. Sony isn't just alienating the customers. They're alienating their own library of musicians. Yeah, the managers, the musicians, their own labels in some right. cases, their own sub-labels. So anyway, just another piece of the puzzle there. Ludicrous. For people. Is he no, on just, Sony? No, no. no. <laughs> uh, also, more DRM news. Paramount is suing an Ohio man uh, for $100,000 for allegedly uploading a movie Coach Carter to E-Donkey. Now, when I first read this, my first reaction is they probably aren't worried about piracy. They're like, no, no, no. Don't, we don't, don't want anyone on to there. remember we made it. Keep Coach Carter out of the public consciousness. <laughs> There's probably one Coach Carter fan out there listening to us. I like that movie. Very angry letter coming. Uh, but yeah, Paramount had the police seize this man's four computers and they found nothing. Wow. Uh, the guy claims that he is a victim of a drive-by upload. He has never even seen the movie. Uh, he doesn't know what's going on. So he's either very slick, as the Channel Cincinnati story put it, or uh, he just really doesn't know what's or going on. just completely on. innocent. Yeah. But why would someone drive by and upload Coach Carter? That's, that's what I want to know. <laughs> it just seems an odd, you know, Star Wars. Sure. Yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. Coach Carter. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that one. I guess it has its following. <laughs> so maybe pro- he was framed. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was why they're like, well, we have to pick something unobvious. Like yeah. Coach Carter. Or also to make him look even worse. Exactly. Exactly. Not only did you do something illegal, you did something illegal and <laughs> stupid. Uh, EU, the European Union, has approved a data retention law that's pretty scary. Uh, it says the European Parliament has passed a new law retaining telecommunications logs for internet service and phone providers for six months to two years. So they will retain a copy of every electronic message and every phone call made between six months and two years so they could be handed over to law enforcement in case of an investigation. Encrypt, encrypt, encrypt. Yeah, seriously. Get some PGP on that right away if you're out there in Europe because, woo, wow. Make a good encryption too. That's pretty draconian. Make a pretty good encryption. Decent. Pretty good privacy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little geek joke for you. And Molly would be ranting about that were she here. Yeah. And we do miss her. She will be back, by the way, tomorrow. She was on Tampa Bay uh, Television this morning. Do you know the rest of her schedule? We'll have to post that in the forums. No, I don't. I don't remember where she's going Off next. the top of my head. I think she had one more stop before she heads back. I can't remember for sure. She deserves a vacation. Absolutely. We all do. Uh, but she deserves it even more because she missed out on the free pizza <laughs> on <Monday>. day. <laughs> Uh, and industry, this is a, a this is an example of industry doing something right, especially regarding high definition. One you know, we try to keep an open mind here. The High Definition Audio Video Network Alliance has debuted uh, a goal. I love it when they announce the debut of a goal. It's very corporate, uh, but they want definitely sometime in the near future. Yeah, yeah, sometime in the indeterminate future, we will definitely certify procedures to ensure that hardware, software, and content for high definition movies will be compatible. So, probably, this, I think this is akin to the CD Blue Book, 
which says these are the standards that make something an actual compact disc so that it'll play on all compact disc players and it will follow the standards. So it's a similar thing for high definition content. And that's a very good thing. Yes. You want to have some standards out there so that if you have high definition content, it doesn't matter what piece of machinery you have. It'll still play well on everything. DVD has the same thing. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. So this is a good thing. A uh, little Google World Domination Watch. We've got a couple things here. The Google homepage is uh, getting even more personal, says Veronica the headline on News.com. They're adding widgets. Yeah. You, you use widgets on your Mac, right? I do. Right? I do. What kind and of widgets I also use, do you use the Google homepage. Ah. So. so now, will this, this will be, you'll have to get different widgets for the homepage, correct? Oh, yeah. Correct? No, definitely. They're, yeah. Just, they're just releasing the, the code so people can make their own widgets that I'm assuming you can probably download from some central area and drag and drop onto your Google homepage. Is that what the deal is? Yeah. Well, right now, if you, you use the Google homepage, uh, it allows you to put in different things based on right. options and you can move them around. It's really neat. It's it, very cool. It works cool. really well. Yeah. Uh, the, the only real criticism of it to date has been there's not that many options for it. It's not like my Yahoo where you can just pull in content from seemingly all widgets. over the world. Now, what they're doing is they're doing my Yahoo one better, right? My Yahoo says, oh, you can pull in an RSS feed or you can pull in any of our content. Google's saying, you can pull in anything. If mm-hmm. you can build a widget for it, we're going to release the API and go for it. Well, this is really going neck and neck with Yahoo because they have control over the confabulator widgets, yes. don't they? They just they just bought confabulator right. not too long ago and they so, just released an update which I haven't made, but they they changed it to Yahoo Tools. Yeah, I don't use the confabulator widgets, but I've heard a lot of good things about them. I'm kind of afraid to switch, frankly, because I like Confabulator and I like the way it works and I hate to change to Yahoo Tools, but it's probably going to be fine. I just need to get around to doing it. So if Google does this, I think a lot more people will be psyched to build widgets for the Google homepage in that kind of respect than Yahoo. I don't know. I just feel like there's more of a fan base for Google or more of a geek obsession I don't know. Yahoo has a pretty big audience, though. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of I'm vaguely anti Yahoo. There's a geek base for Google. Yeah. Yeah. Except I like Flickr a lot. Well, and these will look cooler, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this will be this will be fun stuff that people will get creative with this. Right. So you'll be able to have like streaming pictures. I mean, if they're using widgets, you'll be able to have streaming pictures from your desktop in your Google homepage. I mean, that's that's stuff that Yahoo hasn't caught on to yet. No. So looking forward to this one. It's an arms race. I don't really use, I use Yahoo for a lot of things. I don't use them for the My Yahoo page very No, much. or the Yahoo 360. No, I have, I have a page, but I, I just don't go to it very often. Yeah. Another Google story. Uh, Google is now putting ads on PBS. This is according to Eleanor Mills here at news.com on their blog. Uh, it appears to be a departure in advertising strategy for Google. Uh, they are doing a little thing where they, they, right before the show Nova, I don't know if you watch it. Great show. Uh, you just hear keywords being typed in string theory, Egyptology, astronomy. Uh, I guess you see them. You don't hear them. <laughs> and then as the terms are typed in, videos that relate to the subject appear behind the search bar and the spots end with a tagline. Google is proud to support Nova in search for knowledge. In that NPR sort of voice, I'm assuming. Huh. Well, that's good. Yeah. So it's traditional advertising for Google, though. Yeah. Is that I mean, the first time they've of... done that? Have there been ever been any commercials? I don't I remember. I don't think so. I don't, I don't I think watch this enough is their TV. first foray into traditional advertising. So, and you know, I mean, it's not that traditional. It's it's underwriting and PBS. Right. Still. Program. It's yeah. not like a, a big old commercial, but kind of interesting mm-hmm. as we move along. Coming up, we've got some bits about Mark Cuban's spaceports and your voicemails and emails. Do you believe anything is possible? At Earthlink, we do. 
We believe the same company that delivers your lightning-fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service, too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink, we revolve around you. Getting into the bits, Quanta, I don't know, some people may know this, it's a Taiwanese company, and it is the largest manufacturer of notebooks in the world. They make notebooks for everybody. You may have one. They make notebooks for HP, uh, they make notebooks for Toshiba, and they are going to be making the $100 laptop championed by MIT's Nicholas Negroponte. Quanta, Quanta. Nah, you, you should write their advertising. Like I was just bubbling under the surface. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, this this is a good thing because these are people with some really good experience at making this, and they're very excited to to join it. So that that could be good for the hundred dollar laptop, which has come become sort of a pet story for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slashdot has a posting about, and this is I've seen this elsewhere too. Virgin Galactic wants to build a spaceport. <sighs> Love that crazy Virgin. But guess where they're going to build it? New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Area well, Area Fifty One I think is supposedly in Nevada, but but Roswell and uh, you know the whole. Uh, the <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, you know why? Because the climate, cheap land. No, the climate. Because if they're going to make a, a space station on Mars, that's about as close as you can get within the continental U.S. to have a dry, arid, flat, rocky climate. But this is a spaceport. This is where they're going to be launching their oh. spaceships from. They don't need it to to look like Mars. They're just gonna. They're just gonna take. This would be. You have to go to New Mexico if you want to get into space. Oh, I get it. I think it's probably because I was thinking like cool space station, like oh, on a planet. Well, I'm sure it'll look like that. Yeah, but I, no, I think this is this is going to be like an airport for space vehicles. But probably because having all of that empty land, desert land, as they do in New Mexico, it, it's more convenient. I mean, the space shuttle's landing area is in Edwards Air Force Base mm-hmm. out in the desert in California. So well, maybe it's a similar sort of thing. There's also got to be some environmental factors, mm-hmm. like, you know, and noise. Maybe they just want a really empty space. Yeah. Well, they, they cited steady climate, free airspace, low population. Yeah, there so, you go. And, uh, and it's a high altitude in hmm. New Mexico because they're up in the mountains. So you're closer to space already. <laughs> <laughs> Saves you on travel time. Now I got to read through the story some more because I didn't see anything about connecting flights. I'm serious. Like if if I want to go to space, can I? Do I have to fly and then drive out to the spaceport? Oh, I Will see they what have you mean. airplanes like, landing at the? Space I bet port. they'll have a normal air landing. Yeah, speculation. That'd be interesting. I'd I have like no to, idea what he's I'd doing. Like to he's connect crazy. Through the spaceport. I want to go to space. Uh, replicators. It's all about replicators. New, <laughs> you know what? When we get uh, transference beams, like in Star Trek, then we won't even have to worry about spaceports. We just mm. beam up. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. I just really want a replicator we so I can to be f- like. Richard Branson pizza. is wasting money. He needs to be funding quantum entanglement studies so that we can just beam from place to place, rather than this old-fashioned carrying me around. I'll give him a call. Tell him to get on it. North American International Auto Show is coming up in Detroit in early 2006. CNET will be there, uh, but something that's coming out of it is a Nissan car with an integrated Xbox gaming system. This seems dangerous. Pimp your Nissan? Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's going to be in in the uh, cockpit or not where you drive. It looks like that's the way. I mean, that's not a good idea. What a hideous looking car. Although I like the idea of playing a racing game while you're driving. Just (laughs) the whole meta. Boys and their toys. Oh, okay, World of Warcraft. <laughs> uh, another bit that was sent to us, I think this was by Ari. Let me check. Yeah, Ari sent us the, the link to this. It's not. He said, it's not really a podcast item, but I think it's fun. A $415,000 DVD box set made of gold. 
What is the DVD of? Japanese musician named Masahur Haru Fukuyama is receiving some rather odd star treatment, says Engadget, with the solid gold replica of his DVD box set. I, you know, I think it makes a great Christmas gift. Was this sanctioned by him or was this done by a fan? Uh, it doesn't say. Hmm. But if you're a fan, you can buy a 24 karat gold cube. <laughs> Weighs 33 pounds. I don't think it actually has the DVDs in it either. I think it's just the, think it's just <laughs> it's just the gold box. cube. But it's a solid gold cube. Come on. Uh, another uh, in, in rich, crazy news. I was just going to say that. Mark, another rich, crazy news. <laughs> Mark Cuban is investing in high-tech toilet seats. These are the kinds of things that you see quite often in Japan. Molly was very excited about talking about this, but she wasn't able to call in. Uh, but it's basically that sort of like, you know, push-button toilet seat. Mm-hmm. You see these in Japan quite often. Uh, it has all kinds of various functions, which I don't really want to talk about. <laughs> but the, it's very hygienic. Good. Suffice to say. That's great. All right. We are breezing along. Let's get to some voicemails. Uh, we got one from Michael. Has a question about LimeWire. Hey, uh, Buzz Out Loud. This is Michael. Uh, and I was wondering, uh, a friend of mine uses a LimeWire. And he says that the stuff that he gets is not illegal and he won't be arrested because... Uh, on the license thing area, it says it doesn't have anything. Basically, meaning he has no license. Uh, can you tell me if this is true? And um, I have my own podcast. It's Mafia Inc. Bye. I actually got an email about this, and I re- replied in the email. It depends on what you're downloading, right? You know, there is uh, music out there that is license free. And you can download that from anywhere because it's either put out under a Creative Commons license or it's public domain. But if it's not specifically Creative Commons or if it's not licensed like Creative Commons and it's not public domain, you don't have the right to license it, to download it without permission. I mean, right. that's that's unfortunately the law. And you really need to check which each with each thing that you download to make sure that it's not licensed. It might not say, yeah. but it still could po- very well possibly be. So... It doesn't make, I, and I think what may be going on is the kids saying, well, there's no DRM, so it's okay. And that, not true. It could have been something that someone burned to a CD and then re-imported as an MP3 without the DRM. Yeah, so be careful. Uh, and the best way is just go to websites. I mean, LimeWire is, is fun and fantastic, uh, but it still is somewhat legally it's unsound. It's a gray area. D- not LimeWire itself. I still am a firm believer that P2P technology is perfectly legal, but what you can download off of it may or may not be, depending. Uh, we have a similar D- uh, music law call from Jeff in Shreveport. This is Jeff in Shreveport. I have a question about legality with downloading music. Okay. I have an Enigma 3 CD and a Deep Forest CD, both of which are cracked. Now, if I download from LimeWire or whatever, you know, the whole album, is, is that the equivalent of a backup, which I didn't make before the CD was broken? Because <laughs> I, I could have these MP3s legally if I had made them before the CD broke. Also, um, if that is legal, does that extend to all the scratched-up 45s I still own or the, you know, 200-odd LPs I own? Since I legally own these songs, can I download them from the internet in an um, MP3 form legally? The answer to this, the short answer is no. Yeah, actually. I've heard of cases like this yeah, before. Yeah, you, uh, 
what what Jeff's thinking of is the the uh, Home Recording Act, which allows you to make a cassette backup of your music on cassette. Mm-hmm. It does not apply to digital music. In fact, there's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act specifically to apply to digital music. So if you have cracked CDs or even if you have whole CDs, you may not be able to make a digital backup of that. In fact, the act of taking a perfectly good CD that you own and making a digital copy of that may not be legal. It depends. It depends on where you bought the music. It depends on what the license of that music is. On the original is. music. Uh, but yeah, it does not default. I mean, we had a uh, an article written by Alex Wellen, who's an attorney, and I should hasten to add, this: none of this is legal advice, but he says in his article, as for ripping physical CDs, even the RIAA seems to be willing to look the other way as long as the copy is made from a song that you legitimately own and it's for personal use. But remember, they're looking the other way. That doesn't actually make it legal. Right. Uh, but yeah, he has an ins- search on an insider's secret by Alex Wellen on CNET, and, and it gives you a, a lot of really good information about what is legal and what isn't, because there's a whole different ballgame when you get into digital music versus analog, like like uh, Jeff is talking about. All right, uh, another call here from Evan. He's got uh, some uh, creative uses for some technology we've talked about. Hi, Tom, Molly, and Veronica. This is Evan from Los Angeles. Uh, listen, I've got an idea for um, child monitoring slash parent laziness. Um, all you need is a pair of bionic hands and the new eyeball camera that you guys were talking about on Monday. Um, then what you do is you send your kid out to uh, go play catch in the street with the bionic hands and the eyeball while you are sitting in the house and you don't need to worry about your kid getting in trouble, you know, because you're getting pictures sent to you in the house from the camera all the time. Anyway, love the show. Bye. So I'm a little afraid for Evan's uh, future offspring yeah, here. Evan, a little concerned. Do you have children? Because <laughs> <laughs> go play in the road, even with bionic hands. Take I know your eye. You're go play in the road. Thinking <laughs> it's safer. But what if, you know, what if the connection drops out or... I don't know. Cars are very fast. I do as like well. I do like the idea of hey, take your bionic hands and go play. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish I had bionic hands and a digital eye when I was a kid. Okay, and next we have a call from Adam in Atlanta. Hey guys, love the podcast. Uh, this is Adam from Atlanta. Uh, Veronica, I haven't got a chance to go see your picture yet, but you sound adorable. So I I need to go take a look at that and see if uh, what I'm picturing you is actually what everybody else says you should look like and what your picture looks like. I wanted to call and uh, mention something about the call, the podcast yesterday where you guys were talking about Dean Gray. I uh, wonder how this relates to uh, artists like Weird Al. Uh, I'm a big Weird Al fan. I just always thought he was just hilarious. And he uses copyrighted material and changes them in a parody. And as far as I know, he never... He he says he gets their permission because he wants to, but uh, there was that controversy with uh, Coolio where Coolio said no, and he went ahead and did it anyway, and there was supposedly a misunderstanding or whatever, but um, as far as I know, there's nothing that says that he can't do that because it's a parody. So why can this Dean Gray guy get in trouble? Uh, I would think that he could claim the same thing. Just uh, curious what you guys think about that. Love the podcast, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. 
Okay, so I actually, I remember this very well because I am actually a Weird Al fan. And when this happened, I was aware of the story. Um, Weird Al does get permission from all the record labels that he spoofs. And in this case, he went to Coolio's record label and asked for permission and he was granted it. Now, he doesn't have to, right? His contention is that it's parody, right. so he doesn't need to. But he does it as a goodwill, But he, he does it because he wants people to be okay right. with it. Okay. And so then Coolio freaked out when he heard it and saw the video and said, I did not give my permission for this to be done. So Weird Al contends that it was a miscommunication between the record label mm-hmm. and Coolio, and that and he felt bad and apologized profusely and publicly. Mm-hmm. So that's the story behind that. Probably and, somebody at the label told Weird Al's agent it's fine, but he didn't check with Coolio, and then exactly. you know, that's how those things go. But the, the key here is that Weird Al could do whatever he wants because it's parody, and there's different laws applying to parody. Now, what our caller here, what Adam's trying to say is, hey, isn't Dean Gray parody? I don't know that it qualifies as parody. It'd be interesting to see what a court would say about that, but I don't think it does. No, I wouldn't. I it's, wouldn't put it into that category. It's more sampling and, and remixing. It's not necessarily a parody. Although, He's using the actual samples from the song. Yeah. And that makes it different. He's not re-recording a new version mm-hmm. with different lyrics. Although there have been some parody cases where people use actual images from the original as part of the parody. I mean, The Onion does it all the time. So uh, that would be an interesting case. I don't think that they could get away under a parody. That, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a legal professional. We need to get a lawyer in yeah. here to talk about we some of this We should try to stuff. get Alex on. Maybe we can get Alex Wellen back uh, to talk about some of this stuff because it's pretty interesting. Uh, next call from Jason in Ohio. Molly, Tom Veronica, Jason in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I was just listening to your podcast, and um, you guys were talking about um, voice over ID. Well, Molly, I agree. I'm right there with you on the rant about DirecTV because I have a series two DirecTV, and um, I just switched our my home phone service to Vonage, and um, trying to work with DirecTV's uh, customer support on it was a nightmare. I just went to the internet and found it myself. So as soon as some as soon as somebody comes out with a TV tuner card. Or TiVo comes out with a box that supports the cable card technology. I'm going to dump direct TV like a hot potato. So, um, other than that, great job, guys. I really enjoy listening to you. Have a nice day. Bye. It's nice to have a rant. You I know? miss ranting. We were, this, this, this podcast was missing one thing, and it was a rant. I'm no good at ranting. Uh, yes, a nightmare of customer support going to dump direct TV. Good on you. I am not going to dump direct TV personally, and I don't have a problem with him but i see what he's going through i don't also don't have voip you know i have a regular right. landline and it, it is kind of a pain sometimes it messes with my wi-fi because i have really old wiring in my house so the having to call out uh isn't the best thing but you know what they do it with the cable boxes too they have to call out with those too so you might run into the same problem yeah it depends on, on where i you actually go. thought about this when i was considering getting a tivo and the fact that I don't have a landline. I'm not sure if this is exactly the same thing, but TiVo has to dial out on yep. a phone line mm-hmm. like we talked about. Just for setup. Yeah. And they I was will... thinking, well, if I got a, 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 um, a Skype out number, would it be able to work if I got a 415 area code in San Francisco? What do you think? Do you think it would work or do you think can not? You, can you plug it in? I have no idea. I don't I mean, have either yet, so I have, have no have way of knowing. You have some way to plug it in. And I'm not sure those, those, those dialers work on a different... Pr- principle maybe somebody out there knows how they work exactly. they work on a different principle than a regular phone because they dial while you're not using it and if you pick up the phone to make a call they hang themselves up so there's different stuff going on in okay. there and, okay. and i'm not sure how it works if I'm anyone not... knows please let us know yeah that would be, be interesting super... to know kevin in vermont shedding some light on ipv6 hey this is kevin from vermont 
you know that IPv6 stuff? Well, it's probably not going to cost those billions of dollars. That type of cost includes replacing all the embedded equipment, such as routers, switches, software, etc., most of which is probably going to end its lifespan before the switch to IPv6 is time to come. So for the most part, the switch is going to happen on its own, but we're going to run out of IP addresses sooner or later at the rate we're going through them. So it's something that's going to need to be done. This is called action more than people should be running in panic and hiding. Bye. Now, that is a point that I hadn't thought about. A lot of this cost that they're figuring is stuff that's probably going to have to be replaced anyway, just in the natural lifetime of routers and switches and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, Kevin says we're going to run out of IP addresses. They've been saying that for years. I remember back in 1999, they're like, we're two years, we're going to be run out of IP addresses. It hasn't (laughs) happened yet. So they suffer a little bit from the sky is falling mentality, but there isn't there is an issue there. I mean, we we could conceivably run out of IP numbers. So mm. it's it, like he says, it's probably going to happen eventually. Got an email from Colin <laughs> uh, referring to our podcast from December 9th, where we mentioned that we were going to attempt to patent the word the, and uh, apparently he already owns the patent uh. and sent us a cease and desist. So uh, I'm trying to work out a licensing agreement with him. Yeah, but you might you have know, to pay some money. And I don't know if it's audio versus print, uh, but uh, yeah, we, we're going to try to we're going to try to work this out. Meanwhile, he recommends that we use the word "uh," which is open source. I didn't uh, know that. I didn't know "uh" was was open source. So, in another email we got from trying to avoid the word "the," it's hard. I know. I was I was can't, going can't to try. Melissa also. W uh, wrote us an email and talked about how Walmart now allows you to order your own mix CDs online. You know, Walmart has a downloads program now where you can download music, uh, and then they also sell CDs online, right? Well, they've mixed up the two, so you can order a CD with certain songs on it and then have it uh, burned and sent to you. Hmm. This is really cool for people in 1985. Mm. I'm not sure how much use it's going to get now. Okay. Well, you know, people always say, oh... A mix tape is where it's really at. Yeah. And then people say, oh, well, I'm going to make you a mix CD. Mm-hmm. And it's just not as good because, you know, it's not as not as much time involvement with it's making it. the thought that counts, Veronica. And now you're like, okay, I'm going to make a mix CD for my boyfriend, but I'm going to order it from the Walmart music store <laughs> and um, make them make it for me. Um, yeah. It doesn't really show you care. Well, you know, it's the thought that counts. As I said, but also the the big <laughs> I'm thi- just joking. the big thing here is MP3s are available. Conceivably, to get this, you'd have to have a computer. So maybe your computer isn't powerful enough to download the MP3s or something. It would be useful. Also, they print up cover art for you. That's nice. That's kind of nice. Depends on what the cover art looks like. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Not totally useless, but a little weird. Uh, thanks to Melissa for that. Kevin wrote in to say, and I can't believe Molly's not here for this one. He wrote in to say her favorite words. You're, You're right. right. <laughs> uh, he was trying to uh, redeclare Safari as as a favorite browser. He'd been sending us some emails complaining about Molly uh, complaining about Safari, and he went to a website, LADWP's website, and it would do nothing. Uh, there were simple underlined text links, and he had to quit Safari and launch Firefox to get it to work. So. Lesson here is that users must always keep multiple browsers handy on our machine. Well, you know what's funny? I had Firefox on my Mac, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't work for me. And I couldn't get it to do anything and it would crash all the time. Yeah. 
And so finally I gave up and went back to Safari. And I used Safari for a while. And then when they put out the new Firefox, I'm like, I'm going to give it another shot. And now everything works great and it hasn't crashed once. They fixed up a lot of the problems. Well, you know, on the it's funny. On the Mac, I run into this a lot more than I do on Windows, which is having to switch to another browser. Using Firefox and previously Mozilla on Windows, occasionally I would have to switch to IE. Very, very rarely. And the only regular instance was here at CNET when making a web page, I would launch IE to, just to make sure it looked right in IE. And there's now a Firefox extension that actually displays it as if it's IE. So you don't even have to launch IE Hmm. for that. But, you know, it was very rare that I'd run into a website that didn't work well in Mozilla. And now I find more problems in Firefox than I did in Mozilla, but still not very many. On the Mac... It's, it's like a crapshoot. It's like if I'm using Mozilla Suite, sometimes it works, sometimes and then I have you to know, switch I to Safari. I almost never I have, have problem s- displaying web pages really? on any browser. It's except not- like uh, well, uh, Netscape or something. Well, yeah. It's not so often the displaying. It's, it's the uh, tools, right? Okay. When they start to give like JavaScripts or logins or, or funky stuff that's not HTML, that's that's when I usually notice. I have it. trouble with my banking page yeah. in um in Firefox sometimes. We cannot pay my wife's student loan on the Mac. Yeah. It that does not work in any browser on the Mac. Well, anyway. That's a Mac So yes, problem, the though. answer to that question is sometimes you need multiple browsers. All right, South Carolina is getting uh, getting in the podcast regularly <laughs> now. We got an email from Marcus uh, who said, uh, hey, he's another lucky listener from Greenville, South Carolina. He heard the call from Southern Girl, heard the email about her wanting to get a Creative Vision M, and he would like for us to tell her that if she buys that new Creative, she's possibly decreasing the chances of Greenville, South Carolina getting an Apple store. We don't want that to happen. So he's demanding that everyone in South Carolina buy as many iPods and iMacs as possible so we can get an Apple store in South Kakilaki. See, this is right in line with my world vision of having an Apple store in every town. Oh, my. You know what? I'll tell you one Greenville that's never getting an Apple store. It's Greenville, Illinois, where I'm from. <laughs> one of the reasons I like these emails, though, it's they're all about Greenville. It's kind of fun. Uh, shout out for Apple Style Brian and Rantoul, Illinois. Go Illini. And also... Molly was very excited about Marek and Colstrip, Montana. We got a Montana Frapper now. Woo-hoo. You can find our Frapper map at uh, Frapper at no E dot com slash buzz out loud. We're going to get lots of emails now being like, I'm in Montana. I'm in Montana. I hope so. Yeah. That'll make Molly very happy. Mm-hmm. And she needs it. She's been traveling and working hard. Uh, you can also post in our forums, forums.cnet.com. Uh, people were probably wondering an update about the encoding mm. thing. If you want to know about the encoding of the podcast, we have been, as you've probably noticed, trying different things. And if you want to know what's going on with that, just go to forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud Lounge. There's a lot of detail, a lot of discussion going on there, and we are listening. Uh, you can also email us, buzz at cnet.com, or give us a call, 1-800-616-CNET. That's it. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, 